John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Michael Bumpus. And so, Michael, uh, before we get into the Seahawks, the Minnesota game, and offenses in the NFL, defenses in the NFL, what's your thoughts on the Tennessee Titans? Now we find out that uh, there's another couple positive tests today. That's 24 players and staff members that have been uh, got the virus. And now we find out not only did they have a practice last September 3rd, 30th, but they probably had at least two more practices where at least 15 to 16 players assembled when the league told the team, it's like you can't have any in gathering of players. Guys is being irresponsible. And that really lies on the head coach and the GM and the owner. Like they must not have stressed enough that you just can't do this or they just didn't really care so they should be punished i mean the rest of the league is going to be punished for what they're doing guys want to play football i mean i'm sure there's some teams who will will take a forfeit who will take a win however they can get it but end of the day these guys want to strap it up and go bang so it's just really irresponsible so they should be fine um they should have to forfeit whatever they have to make this thing right and um, it, it lies on the head coach. You know, Mike has to go out there and, and really stress the importance of social distancing. So there's something going on in that building. So maybe they're not taking it seriously or maybe the organization just didn't stress enough. Like, look, we cannot get together. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad, bad situation because, uh, you know, you can see that they're paying a big price for this right now and one that uh, is going to cause all kind of problems because, you know, and again, it's not like these are uh, fluffy teams. I mean, <laughs> Tennessee's 3-0. and Buffalo's three four and zero. Pittsburgh four three and zero. And so they're ruining those seasons, and now puts the league in a position that uh, you know I, I can't imagine with the two positive tests today that they're going to be able to salvage this week. It's looking more and more kind of like last week. And they've this and here and that's what's so crazy is that these players have not been in the same building since in almost two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean that. That, yeah, that's, that's what makes this even more ridiculous. It's like, okay, we haven't been in the building, so that means you're just ignoring all protocol. I'm sure the NFL sent out a packet, um, a memo saying, look, the do's and the don'ts, this is what you have to do. Make sure you enforce it. And those guys just skimmed through it. They didn't take notes. They didn't really break down or, or read what was going on. So it's just irresponsible. That, that's all. The, that's the only way you can explain this. Irresponsible and not taking this situation seriously. But now they are the example. Let's see what the NFL does. How harsh are you going to be on these guys? they got to be as harsh as they possibly can. Some think this could be a historic type of penalty, uh, either against the players, the team, or whoever, and I think deservingly so because it is really bad. Well, of course, what's really good right now is that uh, Seahawks made a couple moves yesterday <clears throat> that I thought were interesting. You know, they got Jonathan Bullard, who comes over as a defensive end. He was a former third-round pick of the Chicago Bears, and, uh, you know, he's in – you know, he's in the ability to go ahead and, uh, you know, try to come in and play a little five technique. He played for Clint Hurdle when <clears throat> the Bears drafted him. So that could be an interesting fit. And then, of course, I think getting Damon Snacks Harrison is huge because he's huge. And I think that, uh, you know, get, as he gets in shape, he may have a chance to really help this team out as a run stopper. Yeah, I mean, and those are the additions that you expect these teams to make or the Seahawks to make, right? Secondary, you feel like they're okay. You know, you got Trey Flowers struggling a bit, but um, you, you feel like you're okay in the back end. It's all about getting after the quarterback at this point and getting snacks. I mean, Damon Harrison, 24 hits in his, court, in his career, 11 sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, not a guy that is really going to 
sack the quarterback, but a guy who's going to collapse that pocket. And that's what you need. And this run defense has been great. They're top three in the NFL. He's going to help there. But the main thing is collapsing that pocket and allowing those edge rushes to really get after it. Benson Mayoa, John, is playing really good right now. Uh, he has a couple of sacks. Um, he, um, he's getting pressure on the quarterback. He needs another guy to help. Puna Four is playing okay, but he needs a break. So it's all about rotations on that defensive line. The more bodies you can throw in, in there, the more fresh these guys are going to be and putting pressure on that offensive line and, and allowing the back end to work for you, allowing Diggs to work for you, allowing Shaq, who's playing at a, at a high level right now, two picks in two games. So I wouldn't expect those numbers as far as the sack totals to jump up, John. I would just expect that pocket to get a little tighter for these quarterbacks. What did you see better about the defense in the game against the Miami Dolphins? John, it just felt right. I'm watching this film, and the main thing that concerned me about the second level and the third level was the crossing patterns because you know this team likes to play a zone. When you have receivers crossing through the zones, you have to communicate and you have to feel. The first few games, I didn't feel like the linebackers were communicating. I didn't feel like they felt it. I didn't feel like the safeties were really feeling what these guys were doing. Now, I watched them against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, it was beautiful, John. They're passing off crossing routes. They're reading combinations. Say what you want about Trey Flowers. He may be struggling. He seemed like he was at least in the right position most of the time. So it seemed like on the back end, there was a more understanding about each other responsibilities and what the Miami Dolphins were trying to do. So that tells me that these coaches got on them. Look, we got to tighten up this coverage, and we have to communicate and anticipate route combinations. You can't guess all the time. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I think that uh, I'm just stunned that Ryan Neal came out of nowhere and played such a good game. Ryan Neal, you know, I'm a practice squad guy, John. So whenever a guy comes off the P-squad and makes plays, I love him. And the thing about this dude is he's not out there trying to survive, John. He's flying downhill. He's making tackles. He set the tone in that Miami Dolphins game. KJ, KJ continued the tone, but Ryan set the tone, has a pick the third play of the game. The next series comes down and smacks Miles Gaskin. And I talked to Pete Carroll on Monday. He talked about how he didn't just have those two plays. His run fits were great. He was over the top. He was in the flats. He was doing exactly what he needs to do. The unfortunate part is once Jamal Adams gets healthy, you know that's his spot. Now, I think Ryan has done enough to at least stay on the 53. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, no question about it. And of course, they have the flexibility now with the two defensive linemen. Bullard's on the fifty-three man, and of course, they can put uh, Snacks Harrison up a couple weeks and you know put him up if necessary and pull him back on the practice squad. So they got flexibility. How do you, you know they had twenty-six injured players? You know there was about uh, eight that didn't practice. We already know three or four that won't be able to play Sunday. They had eleven guys limited, and most of those guys should be back. Uh, uh, what do you think about the injury situation and how they're surviving? I mean, everyone's in the same boat. <laughs> I mean, you look at the 49ers, they probably got it the worst, and they're in the, in the division. So you know, I would be concerned if it was, okay, the Hawks are the only ones dealing with this. But across the league, that's what's happening, and it's a combination of things. It's not being able to practice the way you wanted to, no OTAs, no preseason. So we're getting into the fifth game of the year. Really, this should be the first game of the season. You know, a lot of these veterans should have gotten 10 10 reps that first week, 10 reps the second week. Um, it's all about, you know, they call it a ramp-up period. Ramping up period is really OTAs and, and training camp and preseason. It's kind of like you're rushing uh, the season, but everyone's in the same situation. So all I've heard all out of the Seahawks camp, though, and over the years is that this training staff does a great job of getting guys back on the field. 
Chris Carson, for example. John, I didn't think he was going to play the following week after that ridiculous play um, by Dallas rolling up on his leg. But uh, this medical staff does a great job of getting these guys ready. So this is football. Injuries are going to happen regardless. We're just seeing it at a higher rate because of the circumstances. Yeah, no doubt. And that's now going to be the challenge of trying to put this all back together and trying to uh, you know get that going. Uh, what what type of game and what type of game plan do you think that uh, Russell Wilson and Brian Schott and I were going to have going against the uh, Minnesota Vikings? I, I think they're going to get after these um, these cornerbacks. they got two rookie cornerbacks out there, and they're going up against two of the hottest receivers in the league right now, DK and, uh, and Tyler Lockett. So I expect it to be business as usual. I think they're going to take their shots. I think they're going to work on their play action and, and crossing patterns. That's what the Hawks have had most of their successes when they have guys running across the field, filling the zone. So um, I expect them to attack it the way they normally would. Now, the Vikings, if they're smart, they're going to try to force the Seahawks to run the football. And that's crazy for me to say, John, that teams are really going to try to force Seahawks to run the football because we know the history of this organization when it comes to running the football. If they are to do that, I think they'll be fine. That's that's the good thing about this offense right now. You come out throwing the rock. Um, uh, everyone's expecting you to try to get it to DK and get it to lock it. Don't forget, Chris Carson, man, two yard, two uh, excuse me, two seasons over a thousand yards. This guy can get it done. Last last week was really his breaking out party this year. Sixteen carries, eighty yards, twenty yards receiving as well. Uh, any type of game the Vikings want to make this. The Hawks can do it. But initially, I expect them to keep the good times rolling. Take your shots at DK. Work lock it across the middle of the field. Get Demo into the game. And now the tight ends are starting to really make an impact on this game. Last week was the first time since week one that I felt like tight ends really got involved. Greg Olson had five catches. So slowly but surely, Schottenheimer is opening up this playbook. Whatever type of game the Vikings want to make it, the Hawks be ready to go. But I expect them to try to get them to run the ball. Yeah, no doubt. It should be uh... Fun to watch Sunday night football, and of course, then they go into a bye week. They can go bye week five and oh boy, they're in great shape. Michael Bump, it's always great shape and great to, to talk to you. All right, John, have a good one. Okay, of course, you can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to get out the report card, get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. We get to look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments and voices and attach grades to it. Curtis Rogers here every day to give us the report card. Well, John, let's get started in Major League Baseball, the division series going on well right now we've got Atlanta Miami playing the early game today with a late game last night Padres and Dodgers from Arlington and things got pretty chippy between the two sides it all started with a Manny Machado home run off of Clayton Kershaw earlier in the game to make it a 4-2 ball game Dodgers were leading the Padres at the time here's that home run looking in and dealing and he golfs down that uh, changeup in the left field he's got a shot rushed Deep left field, ball going, ball gone for Manny Machado. You could hear Machado kind of yell something there after hitting the home run in that call, and uh, he slammed his bat down. He was very thrilled with his work, uh, admiring it, going over the fence there in left field. Great play all around by him, cutting the uh, Dodgers' lead to 4-2. Well, then later in the game... Cody Bellinger made one of the best defensive plays of the season, robbing a home run in dead center field. Here's uh, here's that play. So the tying run in scoring position down. Brada roll fires. 
Swing and a ball driven in the air out to center field. Going back, Bellinger. Back some more. Back some more. Leaps! And he made the grab. What a catch! Bellinger stole a homer that would have given the Padres the lead. What a play. Now, after that catch, uh, Dodgers pitcher Bruce Dark Gratterall was very thrilled with his defensive, uh, uh, with Cody Bellinger's defensive work there. Uh, just blew a kiss towards the uh, Padres dugout. Manny Machado not thrilled with that. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of a scuffle out on the field, and both sides, cooler heads prevailed. The Dodgers ended up coming away with the victory, and Belger's catch playing a huge role in that. It was a one-run game. Mookie Betts out uh, on the field after the game in an interview with Ken Rosenthal. Here's what he had to say about the back and forth between the Padres and Dodgers. Uh, I mean, I just feel like, you know, you, when he hit his home run, you know, he threw the bat and this, that, and the other. And then when we take one away, we can celebrate too. So it's got to be uh, two sides to it. That, that was just what I was saying. Yeah, so the Dodgers and Padres, no love lost between the two sides. How are we grading this multi-layered beef between the two sides? Well, it was fun. I mean, that's the one thing, I guess, uh, you know, we all like baseball fights and all that stuff. I guess we'll give it a B because, again, I think it shows the competitiveness. I know I did a radio hit down in San Diego uh, earlier this week. I do it every Tuesday. And, uh, you know, there's so much interest in this series because, you know, the Dodgers are the established team. You know, the Padres are the up-and-coming team. And, uh, you know, I think it gets for a real good uh, battle between the two, so I kind of like it. So I'm going to give it a B. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a B minus. I think that's the kind of stuff we need to see in playoff baseball. It's two teams that really want it so bad, and the Dodgers and Padres. There's a lot of history between them. They've been NL West rivals for years and years and years, and now the Padres, a very competitive team in that division, they're, they're not just going to you know roll over for the Dodgers to beat. And Manny Machado was a former Dodger, so there is a little bit of history there too uh, between the two sides I think it was great to watch last night very dramatic uh, game two game three is today we could see all four series potentially in today so something to watch for in Major League Baseball also on the report card John this one comes to us from Mike Greenberg friend of the show he's Mm -hmm. appeared with us a couple of times Uh, on his radio show on ESPN radio he was making the case for a team not named the Packers or the Seahawks as the best team in the NFC, here's what he had to say. Back to Tampa, their defense, which hasn't looked as good as it should, will get better, and Brady couldn't be better. Brady, five touchdown passes, and as Orlovsky diagrammed this morning on TV, the interception, the pick six that he throws is not his fault. He did everything right. That's a terrible play. Bruce Arians needs to throw that out of the book. He should have thrown it out after week one because we yelled about it. Now he definitely better not run it again. But Brady bailed him out yesterday. Arian said it afterwards. That's a game that last year this team loses by 20 points. They don't now because they have Tampa Tom. The Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. Best team in the NFC? Tampa Bay, John? I'm not buying that. No, no. How are we grading Greeny saying Tampa Bay, the best team in the Uh, NFC? Uh, love for AFC East football is kind of getting in his way right now because so. you know he's a big Jets uh, fan and all that stuff, and you know certainly he's going to be a big fan of Tom Brady. But uh, you know again, it's like uh, you know they're 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 getting by. They've had some easier type of games to be able to play, so I think that worked in their behalf. But in the end, it's like uh, you know, and and what I what I discount right now 
is some of the things that you see as far as uh, you know because again watch what ha- ends up happening tonight you know with all the injuries that the Bucks have but you do see Brady getting better clearly they're a playoff contender but you can't tell me right now that Tom Brady's playing better than Aaron Rodgers or playing better than Russell Wilson I I, I 100% agree and Patrick there. Mahomes exactly yeah I would put Tom Brady Probably in the top six or seven quarterbacks yeah. right now, but nowhere near that that upper echelon, the, the top three or four that are well within the MVP conversation. And like you mentioned, John, their wins this year, Carolina, Denver, and the Chargers, three teams that aren't really expected to do a whole lot in terms of contention this season. They play the Bears tonight, a team that has gotten off to a 3-1 and one start, but I think there's still a lot left to be proven about them and their one game against a team that I think a lot of people are expecting to be competitive uh, was the Saints in week one and Tom Brady looked very pedestrian in that one so to crown them as the best team in the NFC right now when the Seahawks and Packers have had such you know big exclamation points to their 4-0 starts already to the season and they you know those are two winning organizations as well yeah uh you know and tampa bay is a team that just they they don't win that's not something they've ever really done in their in their franchise's existence i mean they do have the super bowl victory in there but i i i don't buy tampa bay being the best team in the nfc through four weeks i give that about a d minus yeah because i mean look at i just look at the scoring right now and you got Seattle at 35.5 points a game. You've got Green Bay uh, at uh, 38 points a game. And you got Tampa at 30 points a game. Now, that's all great. But again, is that going to be enough? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be tough for that. Also, John, let's wrap it up on the report card with this very strange story coming to us from the Ontario Hockey League, which is uh, one of the bigger feeder systems to the NHL in terms of youth talent. It's a league for 16 through 20-year-olds. And they had their season canceled last year because of COVID. It's the same level that the Seattle Thunderbirds play in. Uh, They play in the Western Hockey League, but it's the same same level, Everett Silvertips as well. Uh, the Canadian or the Ontario Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism, and Culture, Lisa McLeod, said that if the Ontario Hockey League uh, wants to play their 2020-2021 season, they need to eliminate body checking and physical contact if it wants to hold a safe season during the pandemic. Now, John, you've watched hockey. You grew up in yeah. Pittsburgh. You 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 know what the Penguins games are like. Could you imagine a hockey game at any level without body checking or physical contact? Now, what I mean, and who is this person again? It's the Ontario, the province of Ontario, sort of their sports czar, basically. She's clueless, absolutely (laughs) clueless. It's like, uh, you know, you're going to take what's part of this game and do it, and for what reason? Are you doing it for COVID purposes? What are you going to do, tell the National Football League not to hit anybody? I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, she gets an F minus for the most ridiculous thing that you can do. Hey, I don't know what's going on in Canada, but it's like they're chasing away sports. I mean, you know, they uh, wouldn't let they wouldn't give money to the CFL to kind of keep them in existence. And so now their future is uncertain. You know, they didn't want the Toronto Blue Jays to be able to play. And so they kicked them out of the country. And now you want uh, the Ontario Hockey League to uh, remove what is a big part of the game, body checking and physical contact. I think she's the one that should get kicked out. Yeah, I just I don't understand where that would come from. Yeah. Like the NHL just proved you can have 
hockey as we know it and as we expect it and as we as we have watched it for years and years and years in in this pandemic you can do it it can be played at its normal pace uh, obviously, they, the OHL doesn't have the kind of resources that the NHL does, but if you can get daily testing going and, and keep these kids safe, I say play hockey the way it's meant to be played, with body checking and physical contact. Yeah, exactly. I, I would have to give this an F as well. Uh, that is it for today's report. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go on the Vizzy Hard, text, uh, Hard Seltzer text line. That line, of course, on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line is 710-710. Text us. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy heart seltzer text line, taking your text questions at 710-710. So, Curtis, what do we have? John, this is an interesting fact raised by the 907. They say five quarterbacks from the 2012 draft class are starting this week. So where do you rank that draft class, or where that quarterback class, I should say, all time? Oh, all time. I mean, you know, it's not certainly the 1983 with Elway and Marino and that, which might have been the best ever. Certainly it's not uh, 204 where you have Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, you, you may be looking at somewhere in the top maybe eight or nine because, I mean, you have to include Andrew Luck, who's no longer in the league. Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins, and, you know, certainly Russell Wilson. But, you know, what you look at is, okay, to get the top class, how many potential Hall of Famers are going to be in that? And, of course, uh, you know, had I don't know if Andrew Luck can make it now. I mean, he certainly had the Hall of Fame ability, but his career was, he shortened it himself. You know, Russell should be able to make it, but I'd say probably seven or eight. Okay, okay. This one, uh, we got a couple of them, 425-509. They want to know, what do you think of uh, Quentin Dunbar's status this week? I, I think he's going to probably play because I think that they're, they're being extra cautious with him. You know, they had him go through the walkthrough yesterday. They didn't have him practice. My guess, if he uh, practices today, he'll probably play on Sunday. 425 wants to know, John, what type of contract do you see Seattle arranging for Damon Harrison money-wise? Uh... I, it's you know I, I, my guess would be that uh, you know technically right now it's only going to be twelve thousand because he's on the practice squad. But once it goes on the roster, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him you know like a uh, one hundred thirty seven thousand dollar five hundred signing bonus and then maybe the minimum salary. So I think it's probably one point five million or less. What would that put uh, Seattle's cap space in? Uh, that would take well, of course. I mean, right now it's kind of week by week basis because you can go kind of back and forth. But uh, uh, they're at like six point six, so eventually, you know, it'll take it down to maybe you know five point eight, five point seven. This one from the two hundred six. They want to know, John, how many times have you traveled internationally? Uh, twice. I went to London for the Seahawk game, and then I went to. Uh, Japan for a Seahawk game uh, back in the late 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think Wyman was playing in that. Yeah, game. Wyman was playing that. Was That's against, correct. Was it against the Broncos? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, yeah, the New Atani Hotel. That's How long is that flight from Seattle to Tokyo? Uh, forever. I mean, it's <laughs> like eight, nine hours or something like Oof. that. And again, it's like a because and you don't get it direct, that's for sure. So you had to go, I think, with to New York and then go over. It's it's a no. I guess you don't have to go. You can kind of go across the the pond, I guess you can say. And so it's a, it's a long flight. 
This one from the 425. They want to know what do you think Ryan Neal's role will be when Jamal Adams returns? Uh, backup. And special teams player and a backup. I mean, uh, we'll see You know where his play, if, if it continues like it did on Sunday, then uh, does he move ahead of Lano Hill? That could be a possibility. And again, we don't know if Lano Hill is going to be able to play this week. But, uh, you know, I think it certainly puts him in a good spot because he played great. 206 wants to know, John, with Cam Chancellor giving some advice to Ryan Neal last week, they want to know if he has a future as a coach in the NFL. Yeah, it's up to him. I mean, he definitely has a future as a coach because I think he'd be a very good one. I think that he'd be excellent in being able to do that stuff because I think that you know he's a good leader. He's got a good mind. He's got a good football savvy about him. I think he'd be a great coach. Now, the question is, does he want to devote the time? to do that because again as we talked yesterday with Dave Wyman it takes a lot of time and players may not want to spend that when they'd rather spend the time with the family from the 801 they want to know is there a chance of getting fans back in CenturyLink Field this season or have the Titans ruined it for everybody no I mean uh, I don't know if you saw it just uh, in Titans didn't ruin it for anybody but the Titans the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers but uh, you know like Pittsburgh's going to have some fans in the stands I mean the Miami Dolphins are going to have a full stadium or at least they're going to have the ability to get a full stadium. So, no, more teams are checking in and more teams are allowing fans in the stands. I mean, it's not a football thing right now. It's not a Tennessee thing. It's more, you know, Governor Inslee and the uh, people here in the uh, Seattle area, the politicians. 425 wants to know, John, is Clay Matthews still in the cards after the signing of Damon Snacks? Yes, I mean, uh, until... Uh, until he keeps saying he's retired, in which he hasn't said yet, he's still in the cards. But right now, the cards aren't playing for any team at the moment. Interesting question here from the two five three. They want to know who will be the next three Seahawks to make the Ring of Honor. Mm, that's a good question because I don't know what particular order that you can go in and how long that you should wait uh, to be able to do it. So uh, um, that one has me kind of I don't I don't have an opinion on that. I feel like. Matt Hasselbeck and Sean yeah. Alexander would have to those, be. Those, those, I think that's a great point. Those would be the top two, I would think. Yeah. I, I'm shocked that... And what about what about Mike Holmgren? Yeah, I think those would be the three next ones because the Legion of Boom era, a lot of, the, a lot of those guys still haven't retired yet. Right, Their playing right. days are, are still going, but... That Holmgren era with with Sean Alexander and Matt Hasselbeck, I think those three would be tremendous. Steve Hutchinson. Yes. I, I think Hutch may... Be getting in because he, he, or at least he's eligible now because he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think the Seahawks should very much honor those guys. It's a great, it's the second best era of Seahawks football for yes. sure. From this one comes to us from, let's go with the 253. They want to know, John, if LeBron gets his fourth ring tomorrow night. Where do you rank him all time in terms of NBA players? Probably number two. I mean, I guess and it's going to be an interesting generational divide because, you know, somebody who watched Michael his entire career, you know, I'm going to side with uh, Michael. And I think, uh, you know, everybody who didn't see Michael's career, they're going to side with uh, LeBron. But I'd say number two. Yeah, I think he's he's cemented himself as number two if he gets that fourth ring tomorrow night. Uh, because, holy cow, I mean, 10 finals appearances, mm-hmm. nine in a row at one point. Uh, he is he, he is something else. And he's, what, in year 17, too, yeah, doing all yeah. this? Unbelievable. 
Uh, from the 425, they want to know, John, what is holding up Josh Gordon's reinstatement? Hard to tell. I mean, uh, that's, you know, it's like either he's either tested positive or something is amiss because, uh, you know, he and David Irving, you know, the Dallas, former Dallas Cowboy, I mean, they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and there's no word from anywhere. Uh, another 425 wants to know, John, should we expect Jamal Adams back in week seven following the bye? Absolutely. Yeah, because I think they're just being extra cautious, and you can understand it. It's not like they're taking the Vikings lightly, but, you know, it's a groin injury. Uh, they don't want to risk it for being worse and all those different things. And so, no, I think it's just a matter of time. And, of course, giving him that extra week to get healed, I think he should be fine. And also remember, they start to play some division games then. 253 wants to know, John, do you think J.J. Watt would ever want to trade from Houston to get a ring? Mm, I, I think he's loyal enough. I mean, you know, we saw that with Joe Thomas, even though, you know, Joe Thomas had so many non-playoff seasons and he, you know, is going to be a future Hall of Fame left tackle. But And, you know, J.J. Watt's going to be a Hall of Fame defensive end. But I think he's loyal enough to Houston and the Texans. And he, even particularly in the, the case with the Bill O'Brien thing, you know, they, they it wasn't like they were going to chase J.J. Watt out of there. But once you have Bill O'Brien harassing and getting into it with J.J. Uh, Watt, they supported Watt. So I think, you know, I think he wants to have his entire career down at Houston. Well, and I mean, they've got a quarterback that I think could win you a Super Bowl in Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're not as far off as their 0-4 record would indicate. You just got to get a good coach in there and, and shape and, things up. And a better up. general manager. Yeah. Funny how uh, both those guys uh, mm-hmm. got fired this week because it was the same guy. From the 4-2-5, they want to know, John, should the Seahawks redo Russell's contract to make it more team-friendly like Pat Mahomes is? No. I mean, uh, keep it as it is. I mean, what... Uh, at some point, maybe a couple years down the line, they may have to, you know, go get some cap room from him. But it's like, uh, you know, uh, and and again, I can guarantee you, he's not going to do a deal like Patrick Mahomes, his agent won't, Mark Rogers, because you know it's so it was delayed. Like for example, you know, uh, Mahomes doesn't even get a raise in the first two years of the contract, and it's spread out uh, to twelve years, and you know, it goes maybe from forty million to fifty million after about uh, the fifth year. But no, because I, I, I think he is very satisfied in getting you know four-year type of deals that is going to do it for text questions okay on the busy heart seltzer text line now we come back and get our daily dose of the garage with dave grosby john clayton show 710 espn seattle john clayton powered through the alaska airline studios on demand with a 710 seattle sports app and it's time for our daily dose of the garage with dave grosby and so the trouble continues down in Tennessee after a couple of days where there was no positive test, two more positive tests today. That's now 24. And now we find out not just last uh, September 30th that 15 players plus assembled to have a workout. Now there's at least two other workouts in another place. And so this team was told to separate and they didn't. What do you think the punishment should be? Good question. I mean, they, they, they want to make a statement, and, you know, it, uh, it, it draft picks is one thing. I mean, forfeits is another thing. I imagine everything's on the table because you got to send the strongest message you possibly can that this can't happen, but it has. Mm-hmm. No, it's a bad situation so, because, I mean, look how it's jeopardizing everything. Now what you have oh, to I know. Yeah, it's, it's just awful. Yeah, I mean, if this happens to any other team, you know, the NFL is going to be in big trouble. We've talked about it. They don't have the flexibility. So uh, they've got to crack down and crack down hard. I would imagine the forfeit's going to be in, in the cards, draft picks, fines. I mean, all the you know, things that 
that truly impact the teams. Because, you know, I mean, a couple hundred thousand dollar fine is, is, is the you know, water off a duck's back for an NFL team. But draft picks, you know, cost them, cost you games, things like that. That's another story. But uh, let's hope the damage hasn't been done and there aren't going to be other teams that pop up because the league could be in big trouble. Oh, yeah, no, agreed. And I think what you're also looking at is that, uh, you know, they're very conscious right now of, uh, you know, because I think both the players and the team in the NFL, they don't want to have the forfeit because then what you do is that the players still get the money for not playing, both teams. And so they're a little reluctant to do it. But, I mean, from what we've seen so far, they deserve a forfeit. Well, and it punishes the team. I mean, it doesn't punish the rest of the league. The players get paid. It punishes the team that that, that made the mistake. So, uh, I'll be. I would. I would expect swift action, but uh, it's still an ever. It's still an evolving story, of course. So, I mean, they've got to. They've got to wait till all the results are in. But um, you know, the NFL's got to work fast. It's Thursday already, so I'm very curious to see what they wind up doing. But I imagine it'll be very heavy-handed. Oh yeah, and it has to be because they they've got yeah. to make sure that they get uh, you know this taken care of because it's a very bad blight on the league and what's and you know it just it, it what it does particularly you know if it goes the way that uh, probably Tennessee wants it they uh, you know they get to play Pittsburgh in a couple weeks and of course I mean right now if they had to play this week which I'm sure they're not going to play now they're going to be down ten or eleven players with no ability to bring anybody in to replace. And so, because right. you're down to like 46 active players right now with all the guys that are on the COVID's list. And then in the meantime, I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, they now have to go 13 consecutive weeks without a bye uh, because they had to take the bye last week. And then you got Buffalo. Buffalo has Kansas City coming up on Thursday. And, uh, you know, they were thinking maybe you move the game to Saturday, possibly Sunday, do it like that and still get this game in. But there's no way they're going to get this game in because the facility's not even going to be open at the earliest until Saturday. It's a mess, John. Mm-hmm. It's a it really is. mess, and uh, we'll see how they handle it. Um, they're, 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 they're challenges now. And, and uh, you know, I saw there was another Patriot positive test, too, so... I imagine there's a lot of very nervous people in the NFL league offices these days. Yeah, there has to be. But also, you can see, you know, that as long as you have a good protocol, which obviously the Titans did not, then it should work out. Should you're right. I mean, it's got to be on them for not following the way they were supposed to follow it. Um, it's uh, it's troubling for those who you know, because no one wants to see the NFL season threatened. And as we pointed out, that the the NFL is. Not operating in, in the secure bubble. It's, a, it's more of a loose one. The secure bubble is, is the one thing that's been shown to work. Um, you know, baseball had their issues with it and we pointed out they were able to play a bunch of doubleheaders and, and kind of make it up, but, but that's not an option for football. So I mean, they may have to clamp down on everyone for this because, you know, they, they can't let. You know, they can't just assume that other teams will do the right thing, even though other teams have been doing the right thing. Yeah, that's why they have to do a substantial uh, penalty against this team. Because, <clears throat> again, was it the players that did it or the coaches in them allow it? Because, you know, they notified the doesn't team. Matter. Doesn't yeah, it matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that doesn't make any difference who, who did it or, or who's to blame. That's to be figured out internally. Uh, the, the problem is with the franchise, and they're all going to have to pay for it, period. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a bad one, and uh, you know I th- I still think the Patriots are going to be okay <clears throat> because you know I know that uh, you know Stephon Gilmore uh, did it. Now, did they get another positive test other than Gilmore? I know they got one earlier in the week with a practice squad defensive tackle. It seems to be. I'm I'm looking for it right now. I thought I saw an item that said that it's it's <laughs> you know it's constantly yeah. evolving. It's oh, it's crazy, man. 
It is. I mean, and that's the thing that's so strange because, you know, if you don't keep up on every minute, I mean, you fall behind. I know it's happened to me a couple times because, you know, what I didn't realize is that uh, late last week, early this week, you know, they they changed all the rules for uh, guys coming off uh, the COVID's list. Like, for example, <clears throat> in the case, and this involved Cam Newton, they, they and this is just a recent decision. It's like, okay, if you are asymptomatic, it's you can come back after five days if you have the two negative tests. If you are symptomatic, the earliest you can come back is 10 days. Well, that wasn't there before, but it's there right now. And then, you know, they have the rule change as far as what the protocols are for bringing in players. And that's why it was smart for Seattle to make the moves that they did, you know, to get Snacks Harrison and get him on the practice squad, to get Jonathan Bullard. Because now you're only allowed to bring in five players per week. And now the protocol is almost going to take it to six days before you can get him in the building. Yeah, so baseball's got a chance to take advantage of it, John. They've got uh, they've got a day with four elimination games today so uh, they got a chance to get uh, to get some good publicity while the nfl is getting some bad publicity yeah did you like the chippiness of the dodger padre game last night oh yeah oh yeah absolutely uh, i like it i like it between the rays and the yankees too i like it between the athletics and the and the astros as well i mean the, the one the one game that's going on right now between the braves and the marlins there's there's not that kind of history because the marlins are have, have come from nowhere but no i like it a lot i you know the the um uh, it's what makes what makes the game exciting. I, I like Manny Machado apologizing to no one. Although the Padres are back is certainly against the wall. They 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 need a win to stay alive, and and the Dodgers are looking ominous. Uh, the A's just scored a bunch of runs yesterday on the Astros. They made that series look very, uh, very interesting. Even though the Astros are just a game away, and and uh, the Rays are, are um are have got the Yankees on the ropes, and and you know the Yankees are going through a lot of controversy about the decisions they made to go with an opener yesterday. Uh, that has been widely criticized. So, you know, baseball's got a lot of drama and a lot of good stuff going on today uh, on a day where the NFL is, is dealing with some other stuff. Yeah, but, of course, uh, the NFL will be dealing tonight in a standpoint. they got a pretty decent yep, one with Tampa, yeah, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady going against, believe it or not, Nick Foles, the quarterback who beat him in a Super Bowl game. And and Chicago, who has changed their quarterbacks, but are 3-1. and one. I yep. mean, are, are, playing, are playing very well, and this is... This is a this is a sexy matchup, and, and uh, Brady, after that first game uh, struggles, has, has looked very very good since then. As, as Tampa has looked very solid since then, and they were expected to be good. And you know, talked about it before about this being the year for for the city of Tampa, the, the light yeah. winning the Stanley Cup, the Rays taking out the Yankees, and you know the the Brady led uh, Bucks looking to go to four and one uh, and take command of their division. So it's uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. I'm interested to see how Nick Foles fares. Uh, He's, uh, he's, boy, he's, he's trying to think of a guy to compare him to in, in the past. I mean, way back Earl, Earl Morrell was a guy who. Yeah, I, I, I'd compare him to like Earl Morrell. Remember that for the Dolphins? Yeah, sure. On, on two different occasions, Morrell replaced Johnny Unitas and, and had a great year with the Colts the year they lost to the Jets. And, and then, uh, he did the same thing in Miami for Bob Greasy and, and replaced him and had a great year there too. But, you know, he, you got to go back that far to find a backup quarterback who's, who's had such great success as a starter. Exactly. And, they, and uh, let's see, uh, what about, what, you know, Doug Williams? You, he might be a consideration with Washington. Yeah, there's some other guys that yeah. fit in there, too. And Nick Foles is in very good company with those players. No doubt. And of course, we're in good company with you each day with our Daily Dose of the Graz. Dave, I don't even have to bring this up because I know you're going to have a great day with all the baseball and tonight's football. You know it, John. We'll talk again tomorrow, buddy. That sounds good. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.